Hi, and welcome to Dear Reader, the podcast where we talk about culture, writing, art, and how it all comes together. My name is Isis Fernandez Rojas, and I'm a writer, blogger, and educator. Each week, the guest decides and discusses a guiding word to talk about when they're talking about how art is made. Thanks for stopping by. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dear Reader, the podcast. I'm your host, Isis Fernandez Rojas. And welcome back. This is season two. Wow, this is so exciting. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. And if this is your first time, welcome as well. We're a weekly podcast where writers and other artists explore one word each week. And this week and this season starts off with a doozy. We're going to start with the word empathy. Empathy. Now, this word seems like a release, a catch-all for wanting peace, any kind of peace, really. Peace in the world, in the country, even one's own spirit. See, frustration is bubbling It's bubbling everywhere, and empathy right now is difficult. My goodness, is it difficult. Empathy requires a person to stop, to think, to pause, and to realize that not only are they human, but the person they are frustrated with is also human. And that probably takes more energy to accomplish when you're in the middle of a rage. And all of us, including the calmest of us, are raging right now. COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, riots, protests, quarantine, there's so much to rage against. Everyone needs healing. And if you believe in the words like I do, that are bomb, then this season of Dear Reader is especially for you. And that's why we're starting with empathy. (laughs) And our first guest of the season surely does believe in the healing power of words. He starts by posing this question really early in our conversation, just three minutes in, but when he did, I knew I was in for a really great conversation. He asks, what is going to get you to your goal faster? Empathy or greed? Now, this was a question that writer, poet, activist, and all-around general great guy, Edward Biaduarde, asked during our conversation. Our conversation, our talk, was amazing. And it ranged from the times that we are living in now to what police presence is now versus what it was when we were growing up. And I must admit, I didn't ask very many questions of him. And for an interviewer, this was actually kind of a dream. Mostly, I was there to listen and to absorb the knowledge from this 
fantastic human being. Even as this episode was in the editing phase, I was in awe of what was captured during our conversation. The ruminations of someone who lives and practices empathy. So let me tell you more about our guest. Edward is the author of six collections of poetry. He is the 2018-2019 City of McAllen, Texas Poet Laureate, a four-time Pushcart-nominated poet, and publisher of Flower Song Press. Edward is from Boyle Heights, California, and now resides in McAllen, Texas, with his wife and daughter. His latest poetry collection, Pandemia and Other Poems, was released in August 2020 through Etzlan Libre Press. I cannot wait for you guys to meet him and to hear what he has to say. So I leave you with this week's guest and the word empathy. Just, you know, pe- pe- people are horrible, you know. They are. People are horrible to each other, to you, to, to animals, to nature, you know. And, and it's and it's and it's from when we were little too, you know. Uh, I think back at as being a kid at, at the things, you know, just 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 walking past uh just walking past plants and then just yanking at 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 a at a you know at a leaf. you know it's yanking at a leaf or a flower because it was just there you know pulling it and letting it fall and, and it's like you don't think nothing of it you know it's just something that that you did you know right and and it's like you didn't think like you you were doing anything bad because you don't think those things have feelings and you you figure it'll grow again or or stuff like that, but as you get older and you start, you know, like for example, with us who who we spend time with, with our garden now, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like shit, you know. I'm like, are there ants here or what's what's biting the leaves? And I'm all like freaking out and, you know, and 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 just just paying attention to the, to to those things, you know. Right. Right. And. I think that's what we need to teach the young ones, you know, you know, the the paying attention to the things that matter in life, because those are the things that are going to be important when you get older. And um, we're not taught that as kids. We're not taught to respect and, and, and care for. And, and, you know, we go to the, we go into empathy, right? Right. Um, We, we, we kind of um, lose track of things that empathy becomes a hard thing to do. Right. So is that why you chose empathy for your, for your guiding word today? It kind of falls in place, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, I think so, but I don't know. I think it's just, I don't know why I chose it to be honest with you, but it, it seems like it, it's fitting especially with what's going on pandemic wise and yeah black lives matter wise and yeah structural That's the thing, you know? people it, it, it's you know the the meaning of empathy is uh, the ability to understand and share the feelings of of another of others right mm-hmm, right the ability to understand 
that's that's like the the the, the key there is having that ability you know there's people that say oh i understand you know, like you don't you know you don't have that ability to understand because it's not happening to you or or you've never gone through it you know it, it's something that that you have to have close closely happen to you you have to have some sort of um experience in it to be able to have that ability it's like a you know a skill i guess or something that you have to develop sometimes we're so you know wrapped up in so many things in this world that empathy kind of takes a seat back to to other things like greed and and selfishness and and and, and other things that that uh, we put before us to to make life more comfortable for us in our own ways sometimes you know um in in our own goals some what's going to get you to your goal faster empathy or 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 greed in some cases you know you know i was watching this uh show last night um it's one of these uh, tv series and this guy is a, a president and and he he was out of nowhere had become a president and at the beginning he 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 knew how to empathize with a lot of things and he was like i was like man that's what we need and then i think in one of these seasons now he's he's going up for re-election and and he ends up winning for all the wrong reasons and he became political right you know and he lost that he lost that that focus you know it, it empathy is one of those things that if if people tried it it would it would help out in so many ways especially with what's going on you know like with with what's going on with what's going on in the streets what's going on with with our military with our police force even within our our own communities with with uh domestic you know violence and domestic abuse we just lost two police officers here in the city because they were making a uh, house call for domestic uh, a domestic abuse call and um the the guy the two officers never had a chance the guy um shot them both dead oh and, wow and and you know you i'm over here and you know we're just like not too long ago you know we're we're fighting against police brutality and stuff like that and then you get those that say and and look at this and what about this and so you have to be able to empathize you know but also not lose focus and and explain that it's it's you don't take away from what's happened because of what what just happened you know what i mean right you know and 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 I know it's difficult to understand and and there's so much anger and maybe maybe right now is not the right time to talk about it because you'll feel more like it's an attack you know or or that I don't have empathy or that I don't you know or or that I'm uh, all for their deaths but no that's not the case at all um it's it's one of those things where you're people are looking for that opportunity to see that they can say all lives matter or you know black lives don't matter because yeah. of this but then you know this wasn't you know a, a case where a black person you know shot two police officers you know it's it's the community and and everyone everyone needs a, a, a some sort of healing and it does happen at home. It does happen when you when you're you know being raised to begin with, 
and we do need programs in place to help police officers with you know with what they go through and see every day there needs to be some sort of you know when we say defund the the police you know it, it's not get rid of them but let's put money into programs that are going to help them you know understand the community and understand why there's so much you know domestic violence in the community but also have programs to help those that are committing those crimes and and find a way to where there's a healing and 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 uh, a respect between both you know i remember as a child policemen were people you looked up to when we were kids you know, and they asked us, what do you want to be when you grow up? We wanted to be police officers. We wanted to be firemen. We wanted to be astronauts. We wanted to be uh, nurses, doctors, teachers. Ask kids now what they want to be. You know, they want to be, you know, they want to be rap stars. They want to be, you know, uh, other influencers. Things. They want to be influencers. You know, and, and, and yeah, and, and, and they want to be things that are important too, you know, but they don't want to be police officers anymore, you know, and, and, um, you know, we used to go up to the policemen and they didn't have guns drawn. They would let us hold the baton, you know, and, and, and pass out baseball cards and say, here you go, here you go. How are you? How school? And, you know, you kids stay out of trouble, but to them stay out of trouble, man, you know, behave, don't be mean to your parents, you know, don't, you know, run on the, on the neighbor's yard, you know, stay off the streets because cars are coming by. That's the policeman I remember growing up right. as, as a kid, as a little kid. And, you know, we, we lost all that, you know, we lost all that through, through a lot of things, you know, we lost that through a lot of things. And, and I, and it's, I'm not one to be convinced that, they stayed the same and we became criminals. That's, that's just, you know, ignorance. We have to find out what happened. Who's responsible for crime? Who's responsible for making sure we stay poor? Who's responsible for making sure that we have guns in our neighborhoods? Because we were poor as hell, you know? My mom would give me a quarter and I, I had to decide whether I wanted a buy a soda for a quarter or if I wanted to throw it into the video game. And that and, was the world, right? That was your entire, that was the entire world getting that quarter or getting that one thing. Like you're, you just thought you were on top of the world right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, uncles and aunts would come over to the house and, and they would give us money and we run to the corner store and, you know, and, and play video games. And if we were good at them, we could be there forever playing one, one game, you know, right. or we, or we, and then, you know, we drink a soda or we would share a soda between friends and then we'd use our other quarter and we'd take turns playing a video game. Now, when did AK-47s become so accessible and, and affordable? I remember, oh. I remember when the crack epidemic hit, I grew up in, in, in Los Angeles in the projects. And I remember when the crack epidemic hit and policemen were swarming our neighborhoods. People that didn't live in our neighborhoods started showing up and hanging out there. Uh, people from different races, you know, they weren't even, you know, Latinos or, or Black, you know. And that's what we were. We were Latinos and Black. And all of a sudden, we saw people from other, you know, nationalities, you know, and they were strung out already. But they were there, you know, 
either selling it or 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 buying it you know and we started seeing bmws come into our neighborhoods and we started seeing brand new cadillacs and and all this stuff and i was like i was too young to process it you know now as, as an older man i'm like how did we get all that into our hood how did the drugs come into our neighborhood who gave it to to that one person that made it and doubled it up so that they can make money and continue to make money and give it to other people to sell and other people to sell and other people to sell. And, you know, I, I was, you know, the kid with the shoes from Payless Shoe Source, you know, and right. then I had, and then I had friends that were, you know, donning the new, uh, you know, Fila suits and Fila shoes. And I was like, damn, like those things were expensive, you know, it was, they were name brand and they were decked out from head to toe. You know, they were wearing Kangos and they were wearing everything that they, they saw their, the, you know, their, you know, our hip hop heroes wearing and stuff like that. And whatever they saw on TV and they were, they were sporting it and they had money and they had beepers, you know, and, and they had, um, they were always eating out and they always had like, I mean, they were always, you know, everything, every, they had everything. And so what does a kid like me want? Hey, I want to be like that, you know? Right. So you know, then, I want to be that. I want to have that. I want to. So it goes back to how do we fix that? Are we so far apart from fixing that it's impossible? How do we, you know, hold people accountable? Is money that grand and powerful that that's it? You know, we were either in it or, you know, we, we have to figure out a way to, you know, be a part of it or not. But you know, sometimes we, we, we scream and yell and fight and, and protest, and, and it sometimes feels like there's nobody listening, you know? So does empathy fix all that? It, well, you've got to give it a chance, you know, and it's got to happen. You know, sometimes people that, that welcome empathy into their lives, they welcome it when tragedy hits them in the heart. Sometimes it's they've they've got to they've got to get hit with something hard enough to where they understand it, and sometimes they go a lifetime without it, or or without a care. You know, imagine somebody who doesn't really care about other people all of a sudden losing their child, and then you know they become an advocate for something or or the voice or they put they pass a new law for for you know you know in the name of their child because something horrible happened it sometimes takes that you know but it takes it takes a a, a community and it takes a, a whole like they say a whole village of people to come together and 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 the thing now is that we have such a short attention span for 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 anything that if we don't stick to it it, it can go it can be forgotten for example you know let's talk about this right now um brianna taylor People are, you know, all people are putting stuff on, on the internet. Like, Hey, you know, you know, your, your, you know, your, your status updates, you know, have moved on and you're doing different things, but don't forget, you know, that there's still uh, the murderers of Breonna Taylor that are, you know, out there, you know, and, and they're free. People forget people move on. And that's something that I learned as a child or as a young kid, you know, being surrounded with gangs is that 
I saw so I saw so many people die, um, you know, at a young age. So many, you know, kids my age, peers of of gang violence that it became such a norm that it it was one of those things where okay, a friend dies, and then you 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 cry for them and and you mourn them, and then life goes on. You know, a month later, you're doing something else, and 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 you're in in and it's not saying that you forget about them, but you know, you things keep moving fast, fast enough that they kind of just go with the go with the flow. You know what I mean? And and that's what that's what happens with with a lot of things is that if we don't keep them alive, if we don't talk about them often, people will forget. <laughs> How do we continue to practice empathy in a world where empathy is 160 characters? You know, I've I've uh, I've thought about this so many times, and and you know, I've kind of like you know challenged myself with the same situation and the same thought process of you know that uh, you know sometimes I lose focus on this and that. And and I noticed that the only way for me mm-hmm. is to write about it often, is to write about it and to read about it and, and, and to continue to look for situations that that need that that need to be talked about and not forgotten. Because I know that I know that um poetry heals. And I know that people um, will come across writings, if not today or tomorrow, years down the line, and and it might spark a you know, it might spark it up for them in their in their being, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but you know, along you know somewhere along the line in their life. But I you know I've come across poetry books where I'm reading something and it's helped me you know, heal. And it's something that might have been written, you know, 30 years ago. So I know the importance of doing it that way. You know, some some people have the gift of of doing it through music. Some people have the gift of doing it through photography and art, you know, and 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 some through writing, um, and some through, you know, um experiences and talking about it in crowds. And and some people just have that specialty by just living it daily and 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 uh you know being and then you being witness to to them by just being around them. You know, sometimes you're around people that just bring out that goodness in you and you love being around them. There's a guy that works at the local uh, supermarket here, and um I swear. Every time I see this guy, he is, you know, I don't know what's going on inside his, I don't know what's going on in his real life, you know, in, in his personal life, not his real life, his personal life. Right. But when I see him, he brings joy into my life. Really? He's, he's always super positive and he has a great memory. 
and he'll ask about family and he'll ask about work and he'll ask about your sports team and, and he'll laugh with you. And, and it's all in the matter of how long it takes for you to ring up your food. And, and I can go there and, and, and I refuse to do self-checkout and I, ref, and, and I will wait. And, and, and I'm not lying to you. There could be other checkout lanes open and there's a line that goes through his because people want to want him to check them out. Right. You want that good spot in your day. Right. You know, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, you just, yeah, you just go by and, and, and he reminds you of what's good in the world. And, and I, I'll ask him, how's everything? And he, he, and he sends you off with a blessing, you know, he sends you off with a blessing and hopes that everything goes well for you and whatever you're doing. And, and if you tell him something negative, like, oh man, I was sick. He's, he shows genuine concern, even if it's for those few seconds, but you feel like you left and you're, you're, you're he, like, you're healing already. And I'm not saying everyone can be that, but we need to also give people the chance to come into our lives in that manner. You know, sometimes there are people that are, that have good intentions and we shoo them off or we kind of do that whole, it's too good to be true or what's wrong with you? Why are you so chipper? Or why are you trying to be so nice? Or, you know, keep your blessings to yourself or, you know, what are you smiling about? Or what the hell's wrong with you? And, and then afterwards we realized, man, I was stupid. What the hell's wrong with me? You know, those are the people and there are very few that you can come across that will give you that, you know, little spark and that small blessing. And not everybody, you know, you know, believes in blessings or anything like that, whatever you want to call it, you know, you know, I will take a blessing, even if I didn't believe there were blessings over, you know, a sour face and, and bad energy any day. Right. Over a Karen at a supermarket. <laughs> telling me to, you know, leave her country because, you know, she thinks it's her country, you know? Yeah. So we have to pay attention to the people around us that are the good people. And, How do you know if they're good people though? Well, we don't need to get into their lives, you know, right. and they don't need to get into our lives, but the interactions is what I'm talking about. Except the good interactions accept those you know you don't need to get into much more than that it's little things it's like walking by a garden and maybe not yanking the plant but actually you know saying hello pretty flower i hope you grow you know more little flowers to join me or walking outside and talking to the birds instead of throwing rocks at them or you know instead of kicking a cat you know or throwing them far with from the tail like when you know when we're kids Kids are cruel. They'll get a cat by the tail and throw them across, you know, the damn yard. Instead of that, you know, calling them over and petting them. And it's not getting to know if they're good or bad, if they're going to bite or not, or if the rose has thorns. But you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're with nature and its inhabitants, right? So you're, you're wishing each other well and you're living with them. It's like when you're planting your garden. It's like when you're about to dig into the earth. You you do it in a way with respect, right? 
You don't just go in there and start ramming a shovel down its throat and stuff. You kind of look. You kind of look at the surface and you're like, okay, it's not too close to where I'm going to hit the root of this tree or, 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 or the roots of this other plant, you know, because I might harm it. But I'm going to do it to where there's space enough for it to grow her own roots without hurting anything else. So um, it's that respect for nature, for its living, you know, things. And when we start doing that to that, to to those that the, that don't talk back or 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 have anything to say, and then I think it's easier to go in, you know, um, full force into trying to do it with humans, because humans, you know, sometimes can be real cruel, right? As and, we and, have seen. And, and they won't accept it, you know, and they, and they'll, they're quick to judge you, you know, you're too crazy or what's wrong with you, or there's always something wrong with somebody because they're acting a certain way or because they're not like them. But, you know, we have to always have our guard up also so that we don't let those bad energies into our life, yeah. into our homes. You know, you, you've got to be also very smart about it, you know, and, and uh, protect you know, protect yourself. So how do you approach empathy in your writing? Um, carefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, um, just, I, I, I lost my biological father some years back and that was one of the most painful things in the world for me yeah. because I never met him. And when I heard the news of his death, I, I sobbed and I cried and, and, and my wife was with me and I was driving, um, I was driving and I had to, you know, we had to pull over because I was just sobbing too hard and I had to open the door to the car and step out and, and just, you know, you know, I had mocos coming out and tears and I was, I felt like I was losing my breath and, and I didn't understand why I was mourning and crying the way I was for someone who, who wasn't there for me, who I had met maybe on a few occasions and he never really acknowledged me. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I approached him through my writing, you know, carefully. I always thought maybe I always thought that when I started writing about him, I'd hate him and I, you know, you know, dig a new grave for him in my writing. But but that hasn't been the case. You know, it's been more, you know, of me writing about him and, and saying how he, he never knew me, but how I wish I knew him, knew, you know, knew more of him. And um, it's just, you know, trying to trying to, how can I say it, um, you know, have a relationship with him now through my writing, trying to bring him to life through my writings, trying to, you know, you know, bring him into my life and, and have him be a part of, 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 of my family and, and his granddaughter through my writings. Um, I, I, you know, it sounds weird, you know, I guess, you know, because it's just writings, but I feel like it's it, my, my writing sometimes it's kind of like a, a gateway to, to him, 
you know, in some like parallel, you know, type thing where I'm writing things and he's and he's either reading it or 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 it's happening in wherever he's at. You know, if I'm saying that that I'm holding his hand or that he's holding my daughter, you know, or that we're having a beer together, that that we're actually really doing it and that maybe he wherever he's at, you know, I'm I'm whatever I write is coming true in his, you know, um, universe and that I'm writing a story and it's happening, you know, you know, if I write that I'm, you know, hugging him, that he actually has me in his arms. And that's how I, that's how I, I'm, I'm creating this relationship that we never had. And it's, and it's a healing for me, you know, to, to think that, you know, because everything to me is possible. You know, and and I know it's kind of surreal and and, and you know and, and magical in a way to think that way, but you know, um, I, I want to believe that. I want to believe that you know we could lose people, but we could still be with them through our art. You know, just like some people try to you know reach them in 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 other ways, you know, and and talk to them in other ways. I feel like I can you know write a story about us or write moments. You know, because I figure he's living another life now. It's a different life. It's a different, um, you know, realm. But there's times where I intercept whatever he's doing for him to do what I'm writing. And so is that how you practice empathy for, on your, for yourself? Yeah. How are you seeing other writers practice empathy in their writing? Or are you inspired by how other writers are practicing empathy in their writing. You know, I'm I'm inspired by a lot of things. Um, I I think that, you know, I I look at I I like to read writings of people that have gone through some you know very emotional things and 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 very difficult things in their life or have witnessed a lot of things um, in their life until they're able to you know empathize on that or or even, you know, write things that are very traumatic to where it allows me to write or empathize with that writing, even though the writing isn't. Um, there's a collection that has helped me, you know, a lot. And, and, it's, and it's a collection, it's an anthology that um, Carolyn Forche put out, and yeah. it's called Against Forgetting. And, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge book. Um, I'm writing that title down. I don't think I've read that collection. Okay, so I'm going to read the acknowledgments for you, just a part of it, not all of it. Okay. Um, and it says, the, this anthology was born of a desire to gather works of poetic witness uh, to the sufferings and struggles of the 20th century. Oh. I am indebted to the poets who survived its brutalities, who found strength within themselves to preserve the poetic spirit, and to the translators who assimilated their labors, thus blessing and enriching English with the riches of their poetries. And so um, it's poetry from different countries. And, and you know, it talks about like the, the first um, section is about the Armenian genocide. And it's poets that write about it, that were witness to it. You know, and then there's the poets that write about World War One. Um, there's poets that write about 
different tragedies, revolution and repression in the Soviet Union. And so I, I went in there and I, and I started reading different poets and poems. And then, and it's, it's a great introduction to poets that I never knew of. And so I purchased a few books from different poets that I came across here. You know, there's uh, the Holocaust, the Shoah, you know, in here. Um, and then you're talking about poets that have witnessed it. And, and many of them were, um, you know, executed. So you're reading the works of people that were executed, and, and, but they left behind their writings. There's a, a section on repression uh, in Eastern and Central Europe, and there's stuff on, you know, uh, on the Latin Americas and stuff like that. So, so you read about it and, and, and you know that they went through all this, and then you know that some of them even gave up their life and gave their life up because of the way they thought and, and what they believed in. And so they left you this gift and so to me, it's like, we can't let these writings either, you know, uh, be in vain. You have to take it, you know, and, and use it and, and then, you know, recreate it and find a way to uh, reintroduce it to contemporary uh, poetry and readers so that it, it doesn't get left behind. It doesn't become a book on the shelf. You know, and, 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 you know, the book is, it's a huge, it's a thick book. And, and a lot of people, you know, especially when it comes to poetry, they, they, they've got a really short attention span in wanting to read poetry and they just want to read a little bit and that's it. So they want thin books, but um, I don't believe that. I, I, you know, the more I can read from an author, the better you're going to find a nugget there that's going to stick with you. In this final segment, Edward talks about some pretty awesome things, especially something that's close to a lot of writers' hearts, poetry, writing the noun, and what that means, and of course, hip-hop. He also talks about Flower Song Press, and he talks about his then forthcoming, but now for sale, poetry collection. But, um, you know, I, I, I like to tell, especially young poets when they're writing, that every poet has an epic line in them. Yeah. And maybe you don't know what that epic line is as a poet when you're writing it, but the reader will come across your poetry and read that line and it will be that epic line for them. And they'll take that line that you wrote and carry it with them forever. And they will write something that will be epic and someone will pick something from their writings and it will, you know, oh, my dogs are going crazy. <laughs> They have well, cabin they're, fever. They're, they're working on their <laughs> epic line. <laughs> right. They're like, yeah, this is epic. Let me show you my epic line. <laughs> but I, th I think, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, I, I love to read. Uh, okay. I do find it in, in contemporary poets, mm -hmm. um, but I do find it also in, in, in past poets. And I'm all for, you know, con the contemporary poet. 
Like I, I am all for, you know, when people talk about poetry, that we always say the names of the contemporary poet before anyone else. You know, Why? like like before anybody, you know, starts bringing up poets of the past, I, I always want to say, well, have you read so-and-so? Have you read so-and-so? You know, and, you know, everybody's going to, especially people that are just getting into poetry, mm-hmm. you know, let them get into contemporary poets first and then let them find their way back to the classic writers. And then they'll see how the contemporary poet might have been influenced by uh, E.E. E. Cummings or Sylvia Plath or Edward or Edgar Allan Poe or Neruda or Lorca or, you know, anyone else. But, you know, that's a gem in itself when you can read a contemporary poet and then, you know, you start becoming a student of poetry and then you start going back and reading, you know, the poetry of the past and you're like, oh man, this is very similar to Edward Vidaurre. I can see where his influences are from this poet, you know? And and let's take this as an example with um, with hip hop, right? Right. When I was a kid listening to hip hop, because I loved to, you know, I, I was always real nosy and liked to read little things here and there, right? I wasn't so much as a young kid a reader, but I used to like to read the jackets uh, inside the tapes. And I would always look at the writings and then would say, you know, sample of this song is from... And then it would give you uh, the song title of an of a of a song from like okay let's say for example um, you know a sample of this song is from Atomic Dog by George Clinton right right so then I would go to the record shop and look for George Clinton and then I would you know get the George Clinton cassette right and so I would do that that's how it all led back to the damn drum for me you know so I'm listening to hip hop seeing that they're influenced by let's say Zapp and Roger, George Clinton, and uh or or a jazz note by, you know, um, you know, Coltrane or 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 Miles. And so then I go and I start listening to them and it's a totally different vibe. It's not hip hop, it's not, you know, anger, it's not cussing, it's not protest, it's not public enemy, you know, but it's it's chill. And so then I thought there's got to be something about this music that these guys really love for them to enjoy it. Right. So I started looking for that. I started, you know, being a student of, of, of hip hop and their roots. And so now I'm a big jazz lover. You know, I love Funkadelic. I love, you know, old hip hop. And, you know, like, I, I mean, I'll listen to everything, you know, there's times where I'll listen to Gregorian chant and, and it's, or, or music or nature sounds or stuff like that, you know, cause I'm looking for a nugget of something else. And I'm always looking to see where their influences are. And, and it's, it's one of those aha moments, you know, when you're like, Oh, so it wasn't just you who was like, you know, the one who, I'm influenced by, but I'm influenced not only by you, I'm influenced by you and this other person because they influenced you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I, that's why I think it's important that we read contemporary poetry 
and then we we find our way back to the the origin of you know of who they liked and that's why uh that's why podcasts and interviews and 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 stuff like that are so great because you get to know the poet or the writer or, or whatever artist is being you know interviewed and then um you read their work and then you you remember they talked about a certain poet and then you go read their work and then you kind of find similarities or or you don't and then you're like well, why did he talk about this poet but he doesn't write like him you know but you 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 get to see the diversity you know in that person and in the works that they do and they put, that they put together you know i may not be a great you know Ed, edgar allen poe student maybe i'm not that's not my cup of tea you know but i might publish somebody who loves edgar allen poe and and has a lot of the same strain of writing that he does you know and so when people say, oh, do you like Edgar Allan Poe? I'll be like, no, but I have uh, Diana Elizondo in my press that, you know, it's very influenced by him. And you should read her poetry. It's got that Poe feel to it. Tell me what you think. And so that's, that's how it works, you know. There's so many interesting things you just said. Um, first of all, when you said tapes and you said record shop, I got really nostalgic. I'm like, oh tapes yeah, yeah. record shop um but i think what like what i found so fascinating about what you just said is that you kind of you described kind of an empathy practice in your craft right because you were talking about starting with the contemporary and going back to the classical or even into canon poets and that is that feels empathetic right it feels like you are taking time to say, all right, this particular writer is having a conversation with Edgar Allan Poe. And I got to go back to Poe to see who Poe was having a conversation with back in the right. 1800s, right? And so it's just like taking that yeah. time to really get to know it and just by being, like you were saying, a student of poetry or a student of hip hop or a student of whatever floats your boat you are practicing empathy i thought that was really really cool i i think that poets need to read poets poets need to read in general mm -hmm. um they need to understand what the now is about like what people are writing now because right. we are writing history we are writing and it's important that we write our now all the time you know yes i can write about you know my garden you know and and it'll it'll be the same garden in a hundred years you know, but I'm also writing about my border area, you know, writing about the border situations. I'm writing about kids in cages. I'm writing about the pandemic, you know, I'm writing about different things that when they go, when they go back, they'll say, okay, 2020, Edward was writing about this and this and this and that, you know, and, um, you know, we can all write, you know, poetry about love and, and, and things like that and feel good poetry, but we have to, and, and there's there's a responsibility, I think, in the writer to write their truth. And I'm not saying you can't write a collection of, of love poems that have nothing to do with your now. If I, I believe that you have to do more than just that. I believe that that's not going to be the end of your writing. Right. You know, that's just something that you went through 
at the moment and in your life where the importance of your if your time was to write that and that's fine you know if if you're if you're doing that but you know i i guess i'm putting a lot of pressure i guess uh and and i'm not saying i'm putting pressure because people could do whatever the hell they want or listen to me or not you know i'm not an influence on anybody but you know i i think that there's there's a responsibility in 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 every artist to create something that's the truth right so what are you as a writer as an artist as a publisher now um and we are going to get into your wonderful press what are you having a conversation with right now well right now um survival Mm. right now um just you know um just I I don't really mind the the quarantine part, you know. I I enjoy, you know, being home with right. my family. Um but, you know, I I do see the 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 necessity of having to be in and go places sometimes, you know, and and how quickly you know, things can change in our lives like they have. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm having that conversation of, you know, what are we letting happen to us that we can control right now? And and I think, you know, uh with, with politics especially, you know, did we allow this? Are we gonna allow it again? And and if if we allowed it once and we think this is bad, mm-hmm. what should we expect? You know, I'm afraid of of a war. I'm afraid that this is not even a, a nugget of how bad it can get. Mm. You know, and 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 there's you know, people don't understand that that there's a there's so many people that go through mental illness that, and I hate to use the word trigger because it's become so cliche. Right. But but um. There's so many things that people in power can do or say that will have an impact on people in in a really bad way that can cause harm, long-term health problems, and even with people that that are already sick or older can cause, you know, sudden death. And, And I don't think people really understand that. You know, if you put fear in someone through ignorance, you can kill them. You know, and and I think that right now it's it's one of those things where it's like I need to be careful with with the things that I say or do, because the right or the wrong person could be listening, and and it might have a negative you know impact. But also, I can't be afraid of 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 telling the truth if it's going to be um, something that, if put in practice, will be better for everyone. So I want to, I, just for, just because I, I really want to get to this. Um, I want you to tell me about Flower Song Press. Cause I, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this existed. So how long have you guys been around? Tell me about putting it together. Why, why Flower Press, Flower Song Press, why now? Give me, give me the deets. Okay, so Flower Song Press used to be flower song books and it was uh created by david bowles Mm. 
and David uh, published my works, uh, my book, Chicano Blood Transfusion, mm-hmm. back in 2000, I want to say. Was it 18, 17? 2018? Yeah. I want to say 2018. And um, so we were having a conversation one day because I'm, I'm también real metiche, right? <laughs> real, like, I, I want to know what's going on all the time. And so um, I was like, hey, so, you know, are you going to publish? Who's next? Who's, who's going to be my, you know, new publishing brother or sister, you know? Um, and, and at this point, David is, you know, blowing up, you know, he's, he's writing a lot and he's winning awards and, and he's, you know, uh, just, I mean, he's just super busy. And then he's got a position at the university now. And so he was telling me that, you know, he's probably not going to publish anymore through Flower Song. He's just, just busy, you know? And, and I'm like, hell no, you know, we can't do that. I was like, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I was like, no, I was like, no, dude, it's like, you know, I'll help you, you know, I'll help you in any way possible. And, and he told me, he goes, well, why don't you take it over? He goes, you know, why don't you just take over the press? And I was like, I'll do it. So we talked about that and, you know, um, you know, time went by and stuff. And then we, we, uh, we, we met up again and, 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 you know, he, passed all the information over to me and 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 um I uh didn't know what the hell I was doing I just knew that it it was uh something that that had to continue and that I wanted to do and that there were so many voices out there and there were so many different you know um things and that, that we could do through a press that that were important and so um I just thought you know I can do this. And I bought my first um, batch of ISBN numbers. And so I figured, okay, so I, I'm committed to 10, 10 books, <laughs> you know? And so, um, you know, the, I was happy. The logo was badass. Uh, David was, you know, um, awesome. He was like, you know, the, the website is, is still up there. Use it, you know, take advantage of it, you know, and, and so I started posting stuff on the website and I um, worked with a local um, to come up with a cover art with the first author that we published, Daniel Garcia Ordaz, who is here from the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and he had a collection of poetry called Sensontle Mockingbird, Words of Empowerment. We put it together and, and it came out. And the, the cover was beautiful and then and, and you know um he's also the um founder of the Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival and, and he's a great reader, very animated, and uh he's just you know, we got that done, you know. And then Odilia Galvan Rodriguez, a friend of mine from California, she's you know, always writing, always has, you know, poetry and and we were working together with Poets Responding, uh, a page on Facebook. We put out her collection, The Color of Light. We, she came over to my house and she stayed here in our home. And we workshopped her um, book for about a week. Really? Every day, um, got up early, had breakfast, 
made coffee and just sat for hours going over it, reading poems back to each other, back and forth. And just for, you know, how does this sound? Does this sound right? Does this sound right? Does this sound good to you? And then we workshopped for about a week. And <clears throat> while we were sitting down workshopping, I go, man, I love this. You know, I love the the whole uh, feel of what's going on here and the putting together of this of the of this book. You know, every every book's different, you know. You know, I started just looking around, you know, paying attention to writers, see what they're doing. And my thing was, you know, to to um focus on not only novice writers but but writers that have been established, you know, to have a mix. But but always, you know, keeping an eye out for new voices, of course. And so um, we did uh, The Color of Light, which is poems for the Mexica and Orisha energies, which people need to check out. It's, it's, it's an awesome. I so saw that as I was doing my research for this show, and mm-hmm. that was intriguing. It, so it's, it, getting it. it's, a, it's a beautiful book. And, you know, unfortunately, um, we, we haven't had a chance to really uh, promote it as much. Um, Odilia's, uh, Odilia lost her son. And so um, she's been, you know, taking a step back and, and, and you know, um, moving from California to um, another state. And so, you know, once she gets settled, um, we're going to work at it again and, and get it back going. Because, you know, a, a, a book is never old. I'm sorry. You know, books are never old. You know, books can always be reintroduced to, to people that ha- don't know about it. And it's a new book. I mean... If you give me a, a a new collection by Lorca and I've never read it, it's a brand new book to me. You know, it's not a 30-year-old book. It's a brand new book. So that's the way I see it. I have a spreadsheet where I have all the names and all the titles and 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 everyone that I'm working with from now until the end of 2021. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, I need a, you know, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's exciting you know it's exciting you know we've got uh juan felipe herrera we just we just signed a a a contract to publish his collection rebozo of love what um we have huge we have yeah we've got alurista again another one of our you know founding chicano uh, fathers uh we have i mean We've got short stories coming out, you know, we've got uh, a collection of children's poetry uh, with illustrations by Regina Moya and Carmen Tafoya coming out next year. Mm. And um, I mean, I I just accepted a manuscript from a Nigerian poet. Wow. Yeah, his 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 poetry is is amazing. I I I um I think it's it's I can't wait for that to come out for everyone to to check out um so publisher life is busy yeah it it is it is and it's it's exciting i'm i'm just it's weird because like i'm also an author you know i also have a i have a book coming out in in september i'm sorry i'm i have a book coming out in in august it's from aslan libre press and uh it's called pandemia and other poems and so, um, you know, I'm writing as well as, you know, reading and editing and, and publishing and 
and doing all that good stuff. And how do you fit all that in? That sounds like a lot. <laughs> you know, it's 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 just making time. You know, it's just making time. Um, it's it's just using time wisely, I guess. Um, and and I don't do it all alone. You know, um, I I've I've got people that I really trust and and admire that 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 help me. That you know, when I have things that need to be read, you know, I I shoot it out to them and tell them to give me feedback and stuff like that. And and I trust them enough to be able to say okay. And then um, I've I've got you know things pretty much you know in order where where I I send out emails for information that I need, and I've got you know like I said a spreadsheet and I check things off you know on things that I've done or or haven't done with them, so that I know what needs to be done. And then I have a a filing system where I have you know, their works sent to me, the email so that, you know, I'm, I'm on track with all of that and we don't lose any information. Right now, the only issues I have are with the publishing uh, of, of, the, of the books themselves that are taking forever because of, of the whole pandemic thing, that the things are taking long to get books out to people. But um, the getting them together and stuff like that, I think everybody's working on things right now because of, of, of being able to spend more time at home, we're able to focus more on those things. So my friend, it seems like we are at the end of our interview. Man, we covered so much stuff in this interview. Hmm. I, I, I dare to ask, is there anything else you want to let the, the audience know? Speak good to each other. Uh, yeah. Hopefully in september when this podcast is out when you right now that you're listening to it that things are a lot better that we're in a in a better place that we're healthy that we're you know alive that we are um being good to each other that we are respecting our spaces and that we are healing from all the things that are hurting us And that's the show. This was such a great episode to record and to learn from. I'd like to thank Edward for coming onto the show and for his time and his wisdom and his insight and his study on empathy. If you like the show, please subscribe, write a review, spread the word, or of course, you're welcome to do all three. You can always contact me via Twitter at Isis, I-C-E-S-S, And don't forget to check out our website at DearReaderPodcast.com. Until next time, reader.